0: Welcome to the No Nonsense Agile podcast. I'm Shane Gibson. And I'm Murray Robinson.
1: And I'm Scott Middleton. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me guys. So we got you on because we liked your very controversial article. Agile is dead. McKinsey just killed it. But is it controversial now? Yeah, well, that's what we're going to talk about. So let's. Let people know who you are and how you got to this point. Like, wh- what do you know about agile and software development?
2: Yeah, so, so uh, look, I've been building software since I was about fourteen when I built a game and and sold it and published it worldwide. I'm the CEO and founder of Terram, we're a Australian product development firm. I've been involved in in over seventy product launches in some form now, everything from listed companies. Like amazon i have worked with through to you know your small startups of two two, three people.
1: yeah, so what is the state of agile today that you see in corporations?
2: yeah agile the the movement itself has succeeded. Every organization you talk to, every person, every job candidate will will go to lengths to tell you how agile they are or what they know about agility. So I think the movement succeeded. And I think that's awesome because the movement like agile and and the, the principles and the values of agile are fantastic. When I say agile is is dead, it, it's really that that movement is done and it succeeded. And now, now agile is almost like a bit of BAU process improvement, like companies eking away at the next increment of improvement. Those that think it's going to be the silver bullet or the holy grail that somehow unlocks innovation and it unleashes their ability to get outstanding growth of that, uh, that the, the likes of like Atlassian or Google or that have seen, uh, uh, it's not going to do it for them. They've got to find a somewhere else to look in terms of productivity improvement. And I think that's what I mean when I say agile, agile is dead.
1: Yeah, I saw on your, your graph in your article that, that you said that Agile's crossed the chasm and it's in the plateau of productivity where it's just people are just slowly improving now. Yep. But uh, I I would like to argue with that because I've certainly introduced Agile into a lot of teams where it had a very positive benefit because generally organizations are terrible at building products and, and software. They're always incredibly slow and over budget and then people don't like what they get at the end and so on so having agile implemented i found helped a lot but what i see when i'm consulting is either water scrum fall which is just waterfall done in sprints otherwise exactly the same and the outcome is exactly the same as it always has been with waterfall you know bad and the other thing i see a lot of is Safe where senior managers are pushing work into teams that can't really deliver. So instead of a pull system, it's a push system, and lots of miserable teams and and authoritarian management. Apart from the stuff I've done myself, where I've been able to have a little bit of influence and control, I haven't seen much good agile out there from people who say they're doing agile.
2: I think your observation that it can still really help teams is spot on. It's definitely helps teams improve and is still there to be used. I, I think a lot of the big gains that some of those who might've been applying it well and got a competitive advantage out of have, have disappeared a bit. You were talking a bit about the, the problem of leaders pushing stuff in and you mentioned safe and scrum and the the big takeaway I have is, is that the the methodology doesn't matter I think. A lot of the problem is this focus on, on the process on like, mm. well, we got to implement safe or we got to implement scrum or we, or, you know, we, we must do a stand-up every every day at 9.30 for 15 minutes or whatever that might be. I think the big problem is this huge, this huge focus on, on the process. Another one I see is like every team must run the same methodology. We're going to count how many story points they've burnt down. Cause that's what's important. I'd say that's a big part of where the problem is. And, and I think where I got <laughs> very fired up, <laughs> I, I found that this concept of an agile transformation office, almost the complete embodiment of this problem we're talking about of story points being the focus, rolling out a process, being the focus and the idea of a centralized office that says how we're going to agile. <laughs> I think it, it just comes back to this focus on the process over empowering teams and you know the leaders are often the biggest impediment to agile really running well and and on the flip side where i've seen it done excellently it's the leaders really empowering their teams saying things like you guys have researched the problem you guys know how to solve it i'm not going to tell you to run scrum if you think that no process is the way to go cool because i trust you and i know you know what what you're doing, I'm not going to dictate anymore. I'm going to leave the team to figure out what the problem is and for them to figure out how to solve it. I think that's hard, that change is hard. And that's where some of the problem kind of stems from around agile.
0: So so I kind of want to go back to the state of agile. So from an agile movement point of view, definitely agree agile as a brand has won and that's great. But as soon as something becomes popular it's really becomes a process factory. So what we're seeing is agile become a process factory, but it, it's not something that could ever be a process factory. We should never have standardization of the way you work. We craft our own ways of working using the agile patterns, but it's all based on the context that we have. So I think agile has been a success in terms of the agile movement. But the, the focus on process and making it a process factory is where agile is going. And that's probably gonna devalue that movement and that brand.
1: It's not devalued. I see A lot of commodification. So I've seen McKinsey and their like come into big companies off the back of the ING case study, which they all say they did, claiming that they can cut your staff by 25% by introducing the Spotify model and safe. And do they really know what they're talking about? Well, you read their articles, they sound good. But in my experience, of one of those big consulting companies they had one person in the whole country who actually had any good experience with agile and everybody else was just part of their cost out division that was just going to do their usual cost out stuff with lots of nice agile wrapping around it
2: the implementations of the spotify model that i've seen they definitely did not decrease (laughs) (laughs) they they went the, the other way around and then someone was left sitting there going, we started, and then we we found out we actually were underbaking our development efforts and people get added, not removed. That's been my experience. There's definitely a lot of bureaucracy
1: and too much management in a lot of big organizations and agile is all about empowering the team and pushing decision making down and reducing bureaucracy. So I can see that we should be able to cut some of that bloat and delay out but the way the big consulting companies like mckinsey are selling this is that we'll just increase your your profit by getting rid of a lot of people and agile is the way to do it because look at ing they cut 25 percent of their staff and we help them with that but do they really understand i don't think so agile is not a cost-cutting mechanism that's not the point of it the point is to satisfy our customers by providing them with
2: value early and often it's it's interesting what's out there from some of the consultancies another one that's got a report out around business agility and if you just take out the word agile it just reads like a common sense how to business good guide i mean it's good advice but it's not related to agile i think a lot of my issue is constant putting the word agile onto stuff if we want to do well in the stock market let's go work with our customers closer. It just obscures the real problem, which is like teams being empowered and pushing decision-making down. One of the big problems is how can you push decision-making down if the team is never allowed the time to understand the customer and the data, and they're never given access to that, and they're just told, go build a solution. Like if, and and if you don't have a cross-functional team with a subject matter expert and data, how can you begin to empower a team?
0: Yeah, they're never given time to engage with the customer and understand what problem they're solving, but they're also never given time to experiment with their way of working. And they're often not given what, what I call the shit umbrella, right? They're not given that umbrella at a CV, level that's given them permission and air cover to iterate on the way they work.
1: About 18 months ago, McKinsey were advising executives that they needed to recruit all of their agile coaches through McKinsey because only McKinsey knew who was a good agile coach and who wasn't because they were experts. You don't want all of these independent agile coaches who are going to argue about different ways of working.
2: But that's that's exactly what agile is.
1: Well, not according to McKinsey. McKinsey saw a source of revenue. So they got their hands around it so they could control it. And make a lot of money out of it. And at the same time, remove other voices that might challenge them.
2: Like I'm a really big advocate for the leaders owning the the, the coaching as well. And, and when I say leaders, the people that own the outcomes, being part of the coaching situation. Because if we're going to make the teams work better and help them get better outcomes, have them be more empowered, it's got to come from the top. They're the ones that can actually make the changes that help the team be more empowered and go with a lot of the things we love about Agile. One of the big challenges that came out in the research was implementing Agile was one of the big challenges to it working. But then equally, one of the biggest success factors was customizing Agile to the organization. And I think if you've got some people off to the side in a agile transformation office saying hey here's all the nice theory it it doesn't translate well if you don't have a leader who's like great i'm going to grab that and i'm going to change things in how we work and what we do in order to bring that to life if that person or people and are not there and not doing on a day-to-day basis then you can't implement and customize it properly to the to the organization or the problem or whatever it might be
1: yeah i i agree with you that if there's no support coming from the top then agile is going to 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 fizzle out as it runs up against organizational barriers all the problems in the organization are coming from senior management because they're the ones who define how the organization works so if you really want To change the way the organization works, to be closer to customers and to allow experimentation and responsive change, then it needs to come from the leaders. So I've been in leadership with an organization that was in trouble and I was able to help them restructure and reorganize their engagements with clients. And it was quite a lot of leadership support for a time. So that helped a lot. So I think change must come from the top as well as the bottom. But leadership are tremendously impactful on whether the organization is agile or not. Cause of the way they set the incentives and leaders need to empower individuals and teams and focus more on vision and direction and so on.
0: Yeah. So yeah, some behaviors I don't like that come out of those companies and one of the ones is They go into an organization, they bring in a a whole bunch of gratties who have no experience and they follow the playbook and and until the organization, how to do it. It's a feeding frenzy. I don't see the value of the amount of money the companies pay for, for that experience. But what, what's the core of the problem? Is the core of the problem when a company or an organization goes and buys off a menu? Yeah, So the leaders go, oh, we've heard this agile thing. It's going to transform us. We want one of those. And it's much easier for them to go to a large consulting company because a large consulting company has a lovely menu that looks like you're going to get your burger and your fries and it's going to work. When those companies talk to independent coaches, we tend to say things like, well, it's all about the way you want to work, the context, the type of your team you've got, so let's go in and experiment. Eventually the teams will find a great way of working. And you'll get the benefit of that. And that's not a menu. We're not even giving them a buffet. We're saying we're going to go and find a whole lot of ingredients. Let the team come in and do a bit of cooking, and eventually you get a tasty meal. So is that the problem? Is that at the core of it, the majority want charity. That's what they like. And so we're at the stage where the big companies are selling a, a ready-to-eat menu.
2: Yeah, I do think a big, a big part of the problem is I want to know if I'm going to do this transformation. That what's it going to look like in a year? And agile's not that at all. It's exactly what. It- or well, you described <laughs> like it's the, it's the, no, like we'll go in and we'll, we'll spend three months. We'll see what happens. And then everyone's going to be working on how to improve. And then we'll we'll take the next step. Unless you've done it before, it's really hard as a general manager, executive leader, whatever. It's actually really hard because you you are sitting there saying, well, hang on. Am I going to get to where I need to be? I've signed up to this with the rest of the business. I've told my CEO or I've told my, my general manager that this is where we're going to get to, I need to know I'm going to, going to get there. And just saying, Hey, we're going to iterate towards it is, is hard unless you've done it and those around you have done it and been on, been on that journey.
1: I agree with you. What people like to do is they like to take a traditional waterfall approach to agile transformation which is so against everything that agile stands for however i i think with agile the proof is in the pudding so you should be able to get good results very quickly within weeks with agile Mm. and from a budgeting point of view you should be able to say okay i'm going to engage four consultants for three months and i'm looking for these outcomes and i want to see positive outcomes happening within the first month and If I don't like it, then we'll just stop. And if we do like it, we'll continue. So I like to say we should be talking to people doing retros and then we can start to come up with a backlog of things to change. We can prioritize them together and we can work through them in order of priority. You know, and if we're working with the stakeholders, then they should be focused on which of the things we're talking about are likely to have the best business value so we can use agile to implement agile as an ongoing thing and then as consultants we can make it our goal to start transferring that knowledge and capability inside the organization so they can continue to run with it that's the way i'd like to do
0: it yeah and and one of the things i observe a lot is when we start this people backlog the work to be done i really see people backlogging Experiments in their way of working. I mean, the whole idea of a retro is to identify something that didn't work in the way you work and then say, what are you going to do to see if you can change it and get a better outcome? And often we just end up backlogging the tasks, not backlogging the way of working. So again, it's it's about experimentation and the way we work. You know, a number of times we've heard it from guests on the, on the podcast. Agile transformation. It's not about transforming you to be agile. It's about using Agile to transform the way your organization behaves or delivers or, or what you do. That, for me, is, is one of the key things.
2: Budgets are kind of key, right? You can't really show up to shareholders, especially if you're a public company, and your answer just be, oh, we're going to iterate on it this quarter. <laughs> and we might pivot. We might not, like, uh, I don't know. you, you got to give them some kind of view of the next twelve months at least. Well, you can discuss
1: it in terms of outcomes that you're, you're aiming for instead of a whole series of
2: tasks and output. There are some companies that are kind of able to, to do it and have done it really well, but I think for others, it's just got to take a bit of a while through. So you go, all right, how do we work within the the project budget? Can I work out in each project budget that we always have an allocation for the things that we need to do? If marketing really controls the budget for building all the fun experiences, it's on us to kind of work with them, to get involved in the research up, up front and make sure that's happening properly. I just don't ask, just go and do it and then show why it needs to be in the budget next time. And often I've seen light bulbs go off in those situations. You say, Hey, this is, I just went to did this off my, like the team and I went and did this off our own bat. Here's why next time we would love to have a budget for proper customer research because Look at all the great insights. I've never seen anyone say, no, that was a waste of time. No, it's always a light bulb going off. So I think the budgeting thing's real, but you can't, you, if you sit there and say, oh, the budgeting's all wrong. It's project-based, but well, I throw up my hands and I'm going to spit the dummy and just don't bother trying. I, I don't think that's the solution. You, you got to work with 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 that. And I think that's the pragmatic side of what needs to come into it instead of the process kind of kind of side.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. You've got people like Marty Kagan, who said that the big problem with product development these days is the process police, by which he means the scrum people. It's becoming too process oriented. Whereas from a product development point of view, we need to talk a lot more about customers and experimentation.
2: So I got to interview professor Christine Derry from MIT, who's been researching on agile, and I kept trying to ask her the question what like is agile <laughs> What we should focus on and is also what's the right type of agile is there a type of that ag- is there a methodology or something that the best companies use and in all the research that they've done she said not no like it doesn't doesn't matter it's about it's about other things it's about focus on the customer it's about how the teams work it's about experimentation
0: yeah so yeah i definitely agree it's a mindset right it's a bunch of principles but there are a bunch of recognized patterns so i have a perception that people like mckinsey have picked spotify because that's the the one that's factory the least they're not picking scrum because you know lots of people can go on scrum training and understand it right they're not picking safe because there's already a money-making machine behind the safe stuff so are they picking things like Spotify and the less known ones, because they can then build a menu nobody else has and pretend it has extra value.
1: I actually want to answer this one. So first of all, Spotify have moved on a lot from the Spotify model. It was an experiment. They changed it. They've just like a a time they regret publishing it now. But the reason why McKinsey likes a Spotify model is because it it's about organizational design, which they see as being their key Thing that they do strategy and org design which means structure and high level processes so they like it because they can come in and just implement this new structure and restructuring the organization to be like that model produces
2: a lot of money for them interesting your, your thing on spotify moving on i had the good fortune of chatting to some folks from spotify about this and and how they're moving on and what strikes me is that's exactly what agile is about like put it put something in You run it and then you go, well, okay, it, it worked like it clearly worked for them because they've done fantastic in the market. And so then they've gone, we're going to keep iterating on this and we're going to add different things into it and we're going to update it and evolve. And I think that's what it's all about. And the company's just aiming for this static target of like, once we achieve safe, we have won. It's missed the point entirely. It's like, go and get a bit of safe, give it a go improve it to be our own version of the Scott Murray-Shane process because we've now adapted it and it works for us and we're happy and, and our business works and we know it's working. I think that gets missed entirely in this whole discussion.
1: Well, Agile Manifesto says very first line, we're uncovering better ways of developing software and I would say products and services by doing it and helping others do it. So it's not saying there is this one way and you shall do it.
0: I'd love it if somebody would change the manifesto to say, we're discovering new and better ways of working Just yeah. Take the word software out because as you see the agile movements made it right. It's now being used outside of software. It's now being used outside of scrum. Although the number of times when you say the word agile, everybody thinks you mean scrum. I mean, I feel sorry for the whole lean movement because they, they kind of lost in terms of the mindset, right? I mean, they've got some great patterns, but. It's rare that I find somebody that's taken a lean, a true lean approach, right? Where, where it's actually empirical, not just a a little bit of a Kanban board with a flow on it. I want
1: to talk about where agile is going to. And I think it's around tailoring for your situation. I think it's around products, not projects. I think it's around empowering teams and agile leadership and And things like that. So I was wondering
2: what you thought, Scott. yeah, I, th- I think it's moving agile to the background. And the big one for me is becoming obsessed with the customer and what's the problem for the customer. There's no agile mm-hmm. in that just 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 really under like taking the time to understand it, put the effort in do the research. I think that's a big a big piece. And a lot of people will say, oh yeah we we're, we're we're customer first, But then when you go and look at, how they might work they don't speak to a single customer until the thing's live and the customers are complaining to about it not working properly so i think the 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 customers a big one I, the one thing i think of i don't know if this is where it's going but i what what i think needs to be taken more into account is it takes time like just being okay with the time the the time factor like it takes time to change the way you're working i think and and don't get me wrong like applying the ways of working that agile talks about is, is fantastic and, and totally part of the future but i do bring it back to like that that understanding of the customer and then working in a way that works to to meet the needs of that customer
0: is one of the key things for me so one of the things we've kind of seen as a theme with everybody we've talked to on the podcast is this idea of hierarchical organizations that were formed in the 70s that change is massive but Organizations that call them startup scale ups that started 2010 onwards is the bread on change. They have nothing to, to start with and they're just used to iterating and changing. And so I wonder are there examples where these big consulting companies have gone into startups that have been successful or are they really just feeding on those hierarchical organizations because that's where the change is the hardest. So potentially that's where they had the most value. Do you see many startups hiring the, the big companies?
2: No, not for this particular thing. It is the hardest in these big organizations to change the ways of working because as we're talking about it, it's not just ways of working. If we're talking about like empowering a team to be autonomous, they also need access to data to be empowered. It's one thing to say, all right, team, you're empowered, but if they can't look up how many customers do we have that this product might be relevant to, well, then they're not going to be able to make good decisions either. So I think like that data is a key factor. But again, it comes back to me of just being driven by the customer. And I think the larger the business, the more abstracted the customer becomes, which is almost the biggest challenge to overcome here.
1: I think the big assumption within software development, product management and organizations generally is that it's managers who are important. They're the ones who get the budget. They're the ones who make the business case for change. And they're the ones who know what customers want so we're just going to ask them they're going to tell us and then we're going to build it and one of the really big changes we're talking about is is going back to those managers and saying well you know i understand you made a business case to to build this digital app but how do we how do we know that when once we've done this that the people are actually going to like it and use it can we do some testing of our assumptions so that we don't waste this time and money building things that people don't want. And that's actually quite difficult because managers are trained as they go up through the organization to focus on always being very sure.
2: Do you see that too? Yeah. yeah. And, and, one of the hard things in this situation is even that I've seen is even when a team senior leader is like, I totally get it. We need to do the experiments. The reality of how budgets are won is that the, you know, even if someone completely understands what we're talking about here around experimentation and we, we, we don't know, and we're not sure the dance of obtaining budget means the person with, with the most conviction (laughs) around their thing often wins the budget. So you got this, like this balance of, if you walk in and you go, we're going to do experiments and I'm you know we're going to head in this direction and i think i think there could be something there but we've got to iterate towards it that loses out to the other person that comes in high conviction we're going to spend 10 million bucks on this new kind of app idea that we've got even though deep down they they know that there's low data the conviction thing t- tends to win a lot
0: So, so for me, I have experience working and helping large organizations, and I have experience with very small startups, right? I have Mm. minimal, if if none, experience with a scale-up. So in a large organization, we have the old hierarchical budgets, right? We have uh, a bunch of personnel that you, you have in your team to get things done, and then when we need more, we go and ask for a project budget. We ask for extra money to, to do something that's out of cycle. And there's a horrible process for managing that. And every now and again, you know, we get our budget reduced or we ask for more and get less or those kind of stupid behaviors. In small startups, you, you have a, a bunch of people that work in the startup that you're paying for and that's your budget. Their time is what you've got. You know, you bootstrap as much of the infrastructure as you can to keep it cheap. Uh, If you want to experiment, the team spend their time doing the experiment and they don't do something else. So you're doing a trade-off based on that constraint.
2: What do you see in the middle ground? Scale-ups is probably one of my passion kind of areas. I spend a lot of time with with scale-ups, the CEOs, the CTOs. And when I think of scale-ups, for for me, it's really, they've cracked through those first big funding rounds. They've got something that's working and it's starting to fly. So I see a scale-up as one that's had that small team where Agile was kind of easy, mainly because there was no process. <laughs> Everyone's so focused on the customer and the outcomes and building stuff that so they're all in there just, just doing. And and you're running Agile anyway. The their big challenge with the scale ups around what, where Agile goes for them is they've then got to run this balance of they do need a bit of process because what they're going from is a small tight knit team that was all communicating really well with each other. And now they've got to shift from most likely the founders who know the customer really, really well, like insanely well to a bunch of teams that are empowered. And when I say empowered, they know the customer really well. They know the problem really well. They're given the time and space to understand that really well, but also they they own the outcome. And so what, what you see in a lot of the good scale-ups is there's not, really this talk of agile, but it's a big focus on empowerment and that empowerment means finding ways to give a team complete autonomy over whatever it is that they're, they're doing their big challenge is how do they keep running fast whilst putting just enough process in, but also not so much that the teams are bogged down, one of the best ones I saw was at Twitch, the, the big gaming streaming service they actually have people dedicated to engineering experience or team experience and their mission in life is not this top-down agile transformation office style thing they're literally like hey engineers I'm a servant to you what tools can I give you so you can produce code faster deploy new features faster and it might even be something as simple as speeding up the time to when their laptop appears on their desk. That's one of the other big things I see as well.
1: I really like the idea of servant leadership and I think that's very helpful and as you scale developing service teams or platform teams that support other people, I talk a lot about that in team topologies, but the big problem I've seen in rapidly growing organizations is that their management tend to be bad at people management because they haven't done it before, like They have no idea how to give feedback. So they don't give feedback at all, or they just attack people one or the other, because they don't know, and they don't know that you should have regular one-on-ones with people and you know, they do things like can promote people that they party with after work into senior roles because they like them. That sort of stuff is a major weakness in scale ups, just because people don't know how to be good leaders. It's not actually really natural. There's not many people who are just great people leaders straight away. I think most of us struggle through it and have to learn it. And there's a lot of skills to learn. So, but I really like with scale ups that they're willing to experiment. That's the big thing I see. They experiment, they try a lot of different things. Like Spotify, they'll try one thing and they'll say, oh, hey, it's pretty good, but it's got these problems. So, I'll move
2: on. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting, right? But the things that we're talking about are not unique to agile, like the people management problem. And I think that's where I come out a lot now is bring agile into it, but let's try and have a real conversation about what's really going on instead of getting lost in my scrums bigger than your scrum kind of conversation because <laughs> <laughs> it, it just ends up obscuring what the real problem is, which is like, Hey, our budgeting structure is not quite right or, Hey, actually, we've got a bit of a people management problem. Instead we end up in, are we going to use story points or days or t-shirt sizes? It's probably the least of our problems. If that's yeah. the conversation that
0: we're having. Do oh, no. we ever see McKinsey go into a skater?
2: I don't know. Look, just their concept of an agile transformation office was so egregious. I remember chatting to someone. And they said, Scott, why are you so angry? Sometimes McKinsey puts good stuff out on Agile. Why are you picking on them? And it was just that one in particular, I just found so egregious. It died for me in that moment. Reading that, I was just like, we're we're gone. It's just getting slapped on too much stuff. And I think my other one would just be taking responsibility for the outcome. Like we're here to get an outcome. And often what I hear is, oh no, I'm just here looking after the process. Actual words from a McKinsey partner. Well, why are you here then? (laughs) Maybe we should go to summaries, Shane.
0: All right. So I love the fact that you said the Agile movement has succeeded. The people who started the movement should be proud that the movement has been successful. That is a cool thing to be able to say that you really have changed part of the world with what the Mm -hmm. movement started. Mm -hmm. And I just wish I was there at the beginning so I could be, be proud. Yeah, that because we've moved the maturity of Agile, we are in a process factory now, right? We are getting McDonald's behavior. So, people are buying a set menu, right? And, and why do they do that? Because as an executive, there's risk when you make change. And there's this concept that you buy a set menu, you know what you're going to get, you get surety. That's what you're buying. Now, we know that you know, Agile is all about uncertainty and about change. So, we know it's bollocks, but they feel comfortable that that's what they're buying. And the big consultings are great at selling that, right? They're, they're selling an outcome, they're selling trust and, and surety. And I can see why people buy it think they're wrong. We used to say nobody gets fired by hiring IBM in the old days. Nowadays it's uh, nobody gets fired by hiring insert large consulting company here. In fact, they don't get fired. They often get hired. Oh, they get promoted. How would I fix it? Well, they should hire independent agile coaches like me, but they're not going to because I don't have those relationships and I'm not going to give them that surety. I'm going to use the words that it is change. It is risky. That's where we get the benefit from. So the only solution is that when they're talking to these big companies, they shouldn't buy a set menu. They should buy a menu that they can tailor. So they understand which part of the menu they're going to invest in, and then they can tweak it. So at least they get some benefit from agile ways of working and and that experimentation while still staying within their lane and not feeling too uncomfortable because, you know, when these senior leaders hire these big companies, they're providing millions of dollars for that organization to change so that's a good thing right we have people at the top that go yes we are willing to put money where our mouths are and make a difference it's just unfortunately in my view the people taking the money are providing mcdonald's and they're not providing a way of tailoring your own gourmet meal which is what a team wants
1: yeah it makes me sad to think that a john might be dead Scott and every time somebody says that I I get a bit sad because I I love it. I think it's been tremendously successful. And when it's done well, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And the whole movement is still growing and expanding and there's big movement into products and customer experience which is very healthy and lean is, is coming in a lot more strongly. But there's definitely been this major commodification of agile by the big consulting companies and you know that's what they're really good at they're really good at developing a playbook that they can just roll out and then every time they roll it out they improve it that's actually just what they do you're buying a playbook from them like a a recipe for change and they do it for you they're very expensive you know these people charge six thousand to twelve thousand a day for consultants like a consultant with three years experience out of uni might be six thousand dollars a day so it's It's outrageously expensive and I just don't think the value is there. And I think they're actually quite often taking people down the wrong direction because they don't understand what agile is. This idea of an agile PMO is just another example of how McKinsey and others just actually don't really get it. They're just slathering on agile words onto what they usually do so they can sell more consulting services and. As you say, I don't see many organizations being that successful by working with them. You know, maybe they can fire a lot of people and increase their profits in the short term.
2: I think it's this, you you were like slathering agile of everything, which is where I kind of went, but it wasn't just this article. It was constantly hiring and seeing CVs with agile on it. I actually, if I could, I would just remove the word. Because if someone goes, hey, yeah, I know how to run agile, I actually can't trust that statement from people anymore because everyone says it. When I'm listening to a new client and an executive or something, be like, yeah, yeah, we run agile. I can't trust that statement to know that we're both talking the same language. I actually have to not use the word agile and ask other things like, do you do customer research? How does that work? How do your teams work? How does your budgeting work? And that's the only way I can actually understand, are we talking about Agile here or are we talking about some something else? It's like, what degrees are we talking about and where are the boundaries? And, and I totally agree with you, Murray. It makes me sad. It's one of those things that's a paradox. It's a hundred percent live and well, but at the same time, I can't trust the word anymore, it doesn't mean anything. It's entirely lost meaning and the focus for me anyway, is always elsewhere. Particularly on customer understanding, but also are teams
0: empowered where our budget's coming from? Yeah. I remember one of the first teams I was lucky enough to coach when I started my journey, the senior person that brought me in, she said, okay, we're going to try this thing, but we can't call it agile. Somebody else tried agile. It didn't work. So we called it iterative. Yeah, we were defining an iterative way of working. I'm kind of happy now that I can walk into an organization and use the word agile and and they don't make me change it. But I get your point, right? Now that it's such a common word, it's been used for many different things that I would say is not the best way of, of working if you're using agile patterns. Thanks for coming on.
1: It's been great. And how can people get in touch with you? Or You've got a blog on Medium, don't you?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Scott Middleton. And LinkedIn, I'm. Scott Middleton on LinkedIn, just look look me up from Terram. Or you can go to Terram.tech. Actually, if you find the article on our blog, Terram.tech, there's a an interview with Professor Christine Derry about the future of Agile and what does her research say. There's some summaries of empirical research around agile.
1: Thanks for that, Scott. It's been great.
2: Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: That was the No Nonsense Agile podcast from Murray Robinson and Shane Gibson. If you'd like help with agile contact murray at evolve.co that's evolve with a zero thanks for listening